Hi, good morning, good morning. It's Brenda Eshin Shoshana back with another episode of Zen Wisdom for Your Everyday Life. And we are segueing to value-centered relationships, which just means relationships based upon valuable principles, value, valuable relationships. Well, you could say, well, what isn't valuable? I mean, I say hello, I got a friend. I'm on the phone, I'm on my tweets, my Twitter, my whatever it is, <laughs> my emails. Every relationship is valuable. Every moment is valuable. And that on one level is true. It's true on one level. Every moment we have a breath, every moment we're here connected to this wonderful life, it is a valuable, important, precious moment. There's no question about it. That is actually the basic teaching of Zen. Anyway, how to be cognizant of that all the time and be present to it. Not just aware of it in your mind as a thought, but to actually live it, experience the value, the beauty of each moment. As my teacher always used to say, <laughs> we would be walking perhaps in Kenyan in the Zendo, which is just the walking meditation. <coughs> Excuse me, that part after sitting, walking, sitting, walking. And we would take a step on the wooden floor, and he would say, This step is unrepeatable. I never forgot that. The way he would say it, the sound of his voice echoing, deep voice, the wood on the floor, everything combined together, indeed unrepeatable, precious, unique. Be present. He didn't say this, but the point is be, be available to that. Be aware of it. Taste it. Taste this tablespoon of soup or cup of soup. It's not the same. Each soup is not the same as the one before. We conflate all the relationships and all the moments as if, oh, here we go again, again and again. But then we get bored, depressed, look for excitement, thrills and chills, and on and on and on. We don't need <laughs> we don't need thrills and chills. Each moment is thrilling and chilling if we're really, really awake to it. So from this, I go back to the question of value-centered relationships. What isn't valuable? What, why even put that in there? Why say these relationships are based on certain values? Isn't that a contradiction? Somebody might say that, and I would say, no, it's not a contradiction. Because these unrepeatable moments can easily be squandered and dissipated by the mind that comes up, discards them, distracts us constantly, constantly distracts us from what's happening, gives us all kinds of movies, <laughs> all kinds of thoughts, so that we don't even taste that valuable moment. We don't even know what it is. There is that within us, within each of us, which really works to discard the value of each moment, confuse it, put it into disarray. And that's why we sit 
in the zendo so much. We sit because as we sit and settle down and are simply here, everything becomes more and more clear. It becomes clear as we're sitting. Uh, then, of course, when we get back into life, it can become confounded again. I mean, this, this is a practice of gaining clarity, integrating it, losing it, gaining it. It's on and on. So when I say value-centered relationships, especially in this day and age, what I really mean is to relate with another in a way that's precious and valuable for you, for the person, for the, be, to be fully grounded in that moment, in the, in the beauty and in the preciousness and the unrepeatability of what's happening now. These values, when you read it, well, what are they? What's so valuable? Well, when you read through not just Zen teachings, but the teachings, the scriptures, of all the, all the world, everyone's, from all time, which is a very exciting and kind of miraculous thing to do because you come to see there's a kernel, one kernel being expressed, same kernel, but it's expressed in different ways, with different words, with different images, with different customs, and different cultures that are built around the different scriptures and the different teachings. But when we get down to what is it that we're actually going to practice when we're with someone, doesn't matter who they are. No, not at all. Everybody is valuable. And indeed, every relationship is valuable if we see it through those eyes, if we relate to it that way. If, that's a big if. <laughs> it's a big if because, as we know, very often we don't see our relationships or ourselves through that eye. We see people as enemies. We see them as part of the wrong group, the wrong political group, the wrong religious group. They have the wrong ideas, on and on and on. So we see them through filters. And it's a very frightening and sad thing because we will even kill someone we don't know at all. We don't know the first thing about that person. But if, if they're in the wrong group, they have the wrong belief, they're being seen through the wrong filter, the wrong label, the wrong nationality. So we're not really attentive to the value in that human being and in the potential for our, for our connection with that person. This is very, very, very important, especially in this day and age. You know, one of the great, great practices. So let's take a pause for a moment and really explore. I'm going to just do one practice that's very, very powerful in Zen practice, but it has its correlate in all the different practices and all the eternal principles of how to create the value, how to see the value, how to become available to the value in the moment, in the person. And I want to talk about the practice of bowing. What do you mean bowing? We don't bow normally, but let me explain it. What takes away our ability to, to see the beauty and the value and the specialness of the person and the moment is the normal 
activities we get into with them. What is it that we do to obstruct ourselves and the other in the relationships and obstruct our experiencing the value of the relationship? Well, we'll compete with the person. We judge them. We see them through our eyes and our labels of blame, of comparison. Or where we stand in opposition to them, somehow we're in a conflict. That's a very common one. Or we try to pull them to our side in some, for some point, some reason. We want to change them, manipulate them. All of these things that happen just automatically and naturally. However, however, if we stop before we even interact with someone, just stop. And in our mind, bow to that person. And then we call it a gasho. You put two hands together and you just make a little bow. And what does that mean? First of all, the stopping means I'm not letting my automatic reactions run here. I'm stopping. I'm giving, making space for something different to happen. When we put our hands together, we put the two sides of ourselves, the scatteredness, the confusion together. And when we bow, as if we say to them, thank you, I honor you. Well, you may say, well, what am I honoring? Well, you're honoring the moment. You're honoring that you're together in whatever capacity for however long. You're putting, you're bowing your head. I'm not here to oppose you. I'm not here to fight you. I'm not here to control you. I put the heavy mass of judgments that I have down. And, and I'm bowing to that which is most beautiful, alive, and meaningful, worthy in you, which exists in every single person. Now, there's a very important saying, which is, as you see a person, that's what you bring out in them. If you see something awful in them and you dwell on that, you will bring that out. You actually are inviting it. You're calling it up in them. You're calling it out in them. <coughs> Excuse me. So when we bow, we're letting that all go. We're letting that person reveal themselves. And we're here for it. We're letting what's possible in the relationship appear. We're making space for it. Sometimes people just bow, or you could bow and in your mind say a phrase, I honor the spirit within you, or I honor that which is most wonderful about you, whatever you want to say, whatever works for you. But it's creating a kind of a context, a space, an environment for that relationship and person to not only appear in a real way in, but to thrive in. We're saying we're willing to be really different in this situation and to allow the other person to be different too, to be real, to be unpredictable, unexpected. You know, there's so much beauty in everyone that's just waiting to bubble up, bubble up, bubble up. <laughs> you know, sometimes when we get, a person sees a crisis, they jump in and they're bigger, stronger, more alive, more aware, more available than we'd ever think they could ever be. That's always been in them, that love, that concern. It's just waiting to bubble up, bubble up. 
So by, by bowing, by, by, by stopping the usual ways we are, we're opening the door really for that to happen. It's really a way of allowing and honoring at the same time. How wonderful that is. How wonderful that is. It shifts not only your own consciousness as you approach the encounter, but the consciousness of the person, too. It has to. Because every relationship is a dance. (laughs) The two of you are doing certain steps together. You see them one way, they respond, and it goes on and on like a little scene in a play. And then we wonder why there's so much pain and so much distress and anger coming up. And such a deep sense also of dislocation. So many people have said such a sense these days of dislocation. What does that mean? Dislocation, it just really means we don't know where we are. We don't know who we are. We don't know where the other one is. So when you stop, stand still, be quiet. Then all those whirling, whirling thoughts and emotions are not being followed and paid attention to or attended to. Something else is being given attention to and given the space to emerge. Stand still. Really listen. Really feel your own self. Make that bow by saying, I honor you. I honor our encounter. It's a very, very simple act, and yet the power is immense when you really do it, and the power not only to affect you and your life, but the ones you are interacting with. I'll tell you a little quick story before we end for today. Many, many, many years ago, I taught a, an adult education class many years ago called self the philosophy of self change and i had a group of policemen in the class port authority policemen in new york city they worked in times square a lot of tough guys this was so many years ago and i was teaching them about self change whatever i i thought i knew then anyway but i did bring in a lot of the principles of zen because i was practicing and loving it and i did remember teaching about this bowing part and they laughed And they said, yeah, come with us to Times Square at night when we have to arrest someone and talk about it then. They just laughed. However, however, there was one policeman in in the group, detective policeman, who was about to retire. He was a bit older than the others. Not that much older, but a bit. And he, he really listened. He took it in. I could see he was just taking it in. And then... Each week we would talk about what happened in class and he came back and he was very eager to tell everyone that he had occasion to practice this, which that was the homework to practice it. And he took it to heart and he was embroiled in something difficult in Times Square and he had to arrest someone, which was pretty normal, part of their job. But before he arrested this man, he stopped just for a few moments and he bowed to him in his mind. And then he said he looked up And the person he was supposed to arrest stopped. They both stopped. It was like a shock. And they looked in each other's eyes. And he said, oh, my God. Oh, my God. He 
actually saw who was there. I never forget how he reported this. He said he actually saw the person who was there. And when he, his whole encounter with him after that was done in a very gentle, very respectful and very loving way, entirely different than he might have been before. The class got very quiet as this person reported his experience. He was almost tearful as he spoke of it. And I was very moved as well. I never forgot it. This must have been maybe 35, 40 years ago, maybe more. So I also never forgot that. It resonated for everyone because the power of really seeing who's there what happens to the anger and the violence and the everything else? It goes away. He said he was very gentle with the man, and the man was very calm and quiet with him as well. Very beautiful. I'm glad I could share it today. I thought, let me give you that exercise. <laughs> Just try it. You know, these. it's nice to hear about this, but why don't you try it in your relationships as they appear? day by day. So thank you for listening very, very much. This is a beautiful point. I will go over it again and again in different ways. I love sharing it. And thank you again. And the URL for this podcast is www.zenwisdomtoday.com. And if you wish to communicate with me, send a note or whatever. My email is topspeaker at yahoo.com. Thank you very much.